welcome to That's Darn Good. I'm Janelle Ball, and I'm excited to bring you thought-provoking conversations about biologics, specialty medications, treatments, and so much more. I'll be chatting with some amazing guests about access, affordability, and advocacy. You're really going to enjoy this show. Welcome to That's Darn Good. Today, my guest is Elizabeth Johnson, the CEO of Medical CX also an avid karaoke lover. <laughs> I learned yeah. that at the Healthcare Advocate Summit. I have been a karaoke lover my entire life. I think that there is something absolutely refreshing about letting go of all of your inhibitions and like just owning that for a moment. And it is a great icebreaker slash connector to people. It is. It really is. There's so much to talk about. I'm so glad that you are joining me today. I definitely want to just jump in and hear about, you know, how you got started. So you're a nurse by trade. Correct. And so I think my number one thing that I hope resonates throughout my story, my background, what I've done is I love what I do. There are days, sure, we don't want to go to work, right? Like Mm -hmm. I would love to lay on the couch too, but there has never been a day that I didn't love my job and absolutely just love what I do. And I think that in this day and age, people change jobs quite often and have, you know, struggle and, you know, don't enjoy what they're doing. And so I know how one, there's a piece of luck, right? Like I know how lucky I am, but I know how hard I've worked. And so I fully let go and have fun while doing this because Mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine doing anything else other than like maybe be a doctor, but that's another lifetime. So yeah, I'm a nurse by trade. I got into healthcare. My family's all in healthcare and I really just wanted to take care of people. I like being nurturing. I like making people feel better. And I really like seeing them go from, you know, maybe not feeling well to feeling much better or, you know, whatever that change is. So started out working in a hospital. The hours are tough. I really feel for nurses who work in hospitals. I was not made for that. I had a young kid at the time. And so I found a job on Craigslist of all places back in the day when we used Craigslist (laughs) uh, for an allergy position Monday through Friday, eight to five. And I was like, perfect. I can do that. And thought it's allergy. What's some runny nose is going to do. And then I realized (laughs) allergy immunology touches on so many different things. And I just absolutely fell in love with the specialty and Through that, I worked for a national company, worked my way up, and really got into the specialty medication side of things. So your injections, your infusions, and turned it from, this is an idea, this works, to here's how we could roll this out on a national scale, centralizing services, really highlighting those who are super experienced with it, and then have grown my career since then. And so really stayed in the specialty med side of things, which led me to meet people like Melissa Page. Mm -hmm. And so her and I have the Healthcare Advocate Summit together. And then I've met so many others, which, you know, created NAMAPA or the National Association of Medication Access and Patient Advocacy, which then led me to meeting people like you and in the dermatology space. And it's just been awesome because I also worked infectious disease for a little bit, which overlapped with immunology. And then Mm -hmm. immunology and allergy overlaps with derm, but it also overlaps Mm -hmm. with GI. Like I've been able to touch so many specialties throughout my career. You know, I'm just really grateful for it. That is so amazing. Everything just kind of goes together. So when you talk about it overlapping, in what sense is it specifically just the medications that we're using, a lot of, you know, the sending referrals over to dermatologists, to the allergists, to the gastro, like how does that overlap? I think one of the challenges we face in healthcare is everyone is mm-hmm. short on time and resources. But when I think about the art of medicine, right, we practice medicine because people are evolving, changing 
and you know, healthcare is changing as well, but patients get so caught up in seeing one provider, right? They go to their primary care. Nothing wrong with that. Please see your primary care. But I wish that things worked a little more smoothly and primary care then refers to a dermatologist or an mm. allergist who specializes in that. And when I first got into the specialty medication world, it's very siloed, right? Allergy didn't talk to anybody outside of allergy. Heck, we didn't even talk to other allergists. Dermatology was very siloed. And then dermatology splits and goes into aesthetics, right? Like they have their own worlds. GI yeah. was its own thing. But if I'm seeing a patient for eosinophilic esophagitis, that is an allergic component, but they also need to see GI. If I'm seeing a patient for chronic hives, there may be allergic component. There may not be, and they need derm. And so what has allowed kind of my lens and my purview is really leaning on other specialties to say, this patient needs more. So it's the referral, but it's also the education for me. I don't have this answer. Can you help me? And so I think by just in our group of friends, right? I think by leaning on each other and, you know, I'm not an expert in all the Derm products, but you are mm -hmm. right. If I need help, I can call you and be like, Hey, what do you do for this one? And vice versa. I think mm -hmm. that brings wholesome patient care that we haven't seen uh, in years prior. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. I think that it's so fun to be able to collaborate though and to learn other specialties. I mean, you know, maybe not everybody, <laughs> but I love being able to learn other things and learn from other people. And, you know, I feel like the Healthcare Advocate Summit has really kind of opened my eyes to that a little bit because I was just kind of just in derm and, you know, just learning a little bit about allergy just because we did a little bit of referrals, but not a whole lot. And then I feel like Healthcare Advocate Summit just kind of opened my eyes to, wait, I really need to learn about some other specialties. And you know what? And part of it too was a little bit of, you know, being a speaker for some of the yeah. shared drugs for like Dupixent or something and, you know, how there's indications in allergy and asthma and also derm. So, you know, it's neat to be able to kind of jump into the other space and learn a little bit more. I think education is, it's just so important. And if we're always learning, then we're always able to help other patients and process, right? I mean, right. what you're doing is the same thing that I'm doing is the same thing they're doing in oncology. And I know everyone likes to feel special. Like what they do is the, the coup de gras, the top of the line. But in all actuality, we're facing the exact same system, right? You're going against mm -hmm. the same blue crosses I'm going against. You're working with the same CVSs that I'm working with. Because again, every single thing we do, there's nothing proprietary or special about it. There's a mm -hmm. patient on the end of it. So everything you do that makes you faster, more efficient, more organized, if you can share that knowledge that helps me, I may never be a you, but I can get close. And then my patients are taken care of better. You know, Healthcare Advocate Summit really started out as like, let's find our other people and went from, hey, I found some people to like, hey, these people really know their stuff. So can you help me? And so my role really with the summit is the education side. So I read all the speaker submissions and all that. And so I get really selfish because what do I feel like I need to know to be better at my job? And what do I think other advocates need to know to be better at their job? And all of a sudden it's like this custom tailored, like, I've never heard of this. So we're going to talk about this. I've never heard of yeah. this. So we're going to talk about it. But I think that's what, you know, that passion you have for like, I need to know more. I mean, that sets you apart from the rest. So I think it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So while we're on the subject of the Healthcare Advocate Summit, do you feel like you learned so much from this year? Because I feel like there's a lot of new people. I mean, it's grown from last year, right? So the first year we had about 200 people. This year we had 730 something register and wow. over 500 show up on site. And so I would pop into conversations like people at the networking events be like, hey, how's it going? 
And they'd look at me like, who are you? So <laughs> I realized very quickly, I didn't know a lot of people there this year, which was great because now I have new friends, but I will continue to pop into random conversations just because I think it's fun. But yeah, it's grown. And one of my favorite parts is kind of the end when everything's winding down and people will stop and say, Hey, I'd love to hear more of this next year. I'd love to speak on this. And it's like, I wish I could just host one of these like every other month because there's so much to cover. But yeah, new faces, new ideas. And again, I'm always open to feedback because I have what I think works, but again, somebody's going to know something that I don't. So, right. I also had one speaker and I think you've met Aaron Ginsburg before. He's a pharmacist out of California. And he's like, I don't think you should ask me to speak again because there are plenty of younger, newer people who have really great things to say. And I was like, Aaron, you're coming back every year because you're so knowledgeable. But if you want to pick somebody else to join you, <laughs> totally fine. Right. And that's where the panels are so fun too, because you get to hear from multiple people and just the collaboration is just so amazing. I'd love to set up a panel of like, you know, kind of top of their game and just be like open Q&A and just let it go for an hour because I'd love to see where that goes. Yeah, that would be so fun. So you've got Medico. What is that? So I'm very lucky that I get to kind of practice what I preach. So being the CEO of Medico, we are a physician purchasing group. So I work with over 300 allergists across the United States and help organize their specialty medication side of their practice. So we're predominantly medical benefit buy and bill, hence the purchasing organization piece. But, you know, whether you buy something or you don't, there's still a lot that goes into specialty meds. So we do a ton of education around specialty pharmacy access, good operations, good organization. So we're really just kind of an extension of the practice to help them you know, do the best they can. That's really neat. So you said you've got all over the country? 30 states. Yes. Wow. I'm sure that's a lot of work though. It's not just me. I have an awesome team. One of the things I've learned and been humbled by many times is that when you have a great team, things are just happening and I'll hear about it later. And I'm like, you didn't need me. And they're like, no, we solved it. Like we, we have it. And so it's just awesome to, you know, see these individuals who I've known for many years and trained, they just got it. So I've learned as an executive to trust your team, make sure you hire the right people. And also, you know, my job is to work mostly with the physicians. And so I feel like I learned something new every day. You know, that's pretty exciting though, because like you said, if you're so used to doing everything and now you've trained them and now they know how to handle it. So looking into that, there's probably a lot of work that went into that whole training part. I mean, how long do you feel like that took for you to get to the place now where you're like, okay, they can handle it without me necessarily being there. So I'm an unconventional trainer. Just going to put it out there. This is, <laughs> these are my opinions and beliefs. So if somebody doesn't agree, you can come yell at me. But I really think in our line of work, I can sit you down and tell you this is a prior off. This is a copay card. This is how you do this. But it doesn't actually work. I can tell you all day long. I can make every material handout slideshow. But until we're working side by side and going through the actual process, I don't think it works. I mean, I think that's one failure point that a lot of BCs unfortunately get set up with. It's like, here's a binder of what you should do, make it happen. If I give you that in January, but in August, you're going to be something totally different. Like that's just the nature of our career field. And so just kind of going through it. So Jordan on my team, her and I have been close for several years and it's just riding the seasons, right? Hey, this is October. Here's what's happening. Hey, here's November. And so I think that's been kind of the best way for us to figure that out. And so mm -hmm. our training material is written in that kind of manner, but it's more so like, 
phone a friend, like find a person who mm-hmm. you connect with, who has experience and who has been through it. I really love looking back and being like, Hey, remember that one time we saw this one thing? Can you now teach me? Cause I totally forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That happens often. I'm sure. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So when you are trying to stay up to date on insurance changes every single month, I mean, how would you guide an office for that? I like tech solutions. Sometimes I miss. So when I worked in an office, right, like I had my little desk space at the nurse's station and I had my little sticky notes everywhere. And, you know, I had I had my thing, right? Look at this policy, do that. And so I remember being such a manual. I love policy reporter for that. My only complaint is it's really expensive if you're a small practice, right? So I wish, hint, hint, policy reporter, come out with a pricing model for private practice versus hospital. But if you don't have access to technology solutions like that, I love calendar reminders. I set a calendar reminder, or I would when I was in an office, for the first of the month to say, go look up Blue Cross Blue Shield policy for X product, right? And Mm -hmm. I just kind of had to get in the habit of looking at these different things and not just Google, right? Like, don't just put in like Zolaire policy, Blue Cross Blue Shield, because you might find an outdated one. So Mm -hmm. I would save links to the previous policy, see if it updates. I subscribe to every national payers newsletter, right? There's a lot of help in there for what's updating, what's changing. And so little things like that. Now, granted, that's me sitting at a computer reading. Does everybody get that same luxury? No, Mm -hmm. because we're short on time. So the newsletters help, but I tag in my practice manager, right? What I do as a biologics coordinator is just as important to me as it is to the practice manager, right? Because they're overseeing operations and finance. And so make it a team effort in an office. I mean, one person can't do everything. So a biller is a biller for a reason. Your BC is a BC for a reason. And your manager is a manager for a reason. Mm -hmm. Find a collaborative relationship there. Um, And if you don't have that, um, tell your doctor. Be like, hey, if you want me to do what I'm supposed to do, I need your help or I need their help. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a big missing piece we have. Do you see that in a lot of allergy, asthma offices that you know, they're well, immunology really in general, because I feel like I see that a lot in Durham where they don't have one person that's specifically handling biologics or prior authorizations. I mean, there's a huge benefit to it. And I talk about that all the time. <laughs> We've seen it change. So when I first got the title of biologics coordinator, so originally I was biologics biller, then it changed to biologics coordinator was this is probably seven years ago now. And so in allergy, I think there were three of us across the groups that had that title. Like it just was unheard of. But if you looked at hospitals or you looked at oncology and rheumatology, they already had those. Mm. So I think infusionist-based specialties definitely were kind of the predecessors for this role in this title. There's also Mm. 500 names for the same thing. Right. But I see more and more over my time in allergy, they may not have the title biologics coordinator, but they are your biologics person or they are your prior auth person. And so that role is getting a little more designated. I say a little, a lot more designated for us in allergy, but I think allergy is still three to five years ahead of where dermatology is as far as the medical benefit specialty side. Mm -hmm. So I think we'll see over the next few years, a lot more either partnerships, third-party solutions, or for those that still do clinical dermatology, they're going to have to have a person. Yeah, that's true. Enjoying this episode? Well, it's sponsored by Prescriber Point. If you're like me, you're sick of browsing for drug resources all over the web. 
With Prescriber Point, I can find everything I need in one place to get my patients on therapy. Prescriber Point is your free AI-powered prescribing assistant designed to make your life easier so that you can get your patients on therapy faster. They've aggregated all the necessary resources for over 35,000 medications. Get started with a free account or request a demo at prescriberpoint.com slash that's derm good. There's so many drugs that are coming out on the market and it's getting to be overwhelming. I mean, it's almost to the point where, you know, now if you don't have somebody designated to learn and understand the access side, it's going to be difficult to get that access to the medication. And I read a ton of not just, you know, medical articles. I read a ton of junk too, (laughs) but as much as I think I keep up with it, I know my physicians are a lot more ahead than I am. So I'm very thankful to have such great relationships with my physicians. They pass stuff to me and I can ask questions. But for those that don't have that kind of relationship, there is information out there, but it's a lot to absorb. And so I think one of the things people say to me a lot is you go to a lot of conferences. Yes, I go to a ton of conferences, but my butt is in a seat learning about something or I'm talking to someone or I'm going by booths and picking up things like prior auth checklists and clinical information, right? Like, because I need to know that to be efficient at what I do. So I kind of have that sense of ownership of, I want to know about all that. But if you look at manufacturer pipelines, oh my gosh, the next, you know, even the next year, we're going to have so many changes. Mm -hmm. It's hard to navigate. It's like, it's almost like, okay, we've got all these resources, choose what works best. And how can you educate an office who's kind of new at this and doesn't really know how to navigate the process? I think there's a solution and or a partner for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. When I was strictly clinical as a nurse or I was in kind of my BC role, I didn't really think too much about the operations and finance side of things. And so, you know, as I've grown in my career, that's become so evident to me of, you know, where this comes from. And yes, we all put the patient first. We all want good care. We know this factor, Mm -hmm. but what's the most important thing? Is it time or is it money? Especially on the community-based or private practice side, most people will say it's the money, right? Like we want to get paid for the services we provide. We want to get paid for the time we spend on prior offs. But again, that doesn't work for everyone, right? If you're Mm -hmm short-staffed, if you're overstaffed, your overhead may be really high. So splitting any kind of revenue with a third party or a solution may not be practical. But on the flip side, if time is your issue, right, you don't have enough staff or you've got new practitioners you're trying to build their schedules, how can you adjust to have that time compensated for? So I really think third-party solutions, they've seen a need, right? Prior auth solutions, copay assistance solutions, they're all necessary parts of the process. And I think the more skilled individuals they have, the more efficient they are at it. So I don't see anything wrong with partnering if revenue is not your problem. If revenue is of concern and you just, hey, listen, go ahead and split 50-50 with me, there's partners for that too. So again, I think there's somebody for everybody. And so where I like to kind of stick myself is, I don't necessarily want to do it for you because time is you know, important. Revenue, I'm fine with figuring out how we can share that, but I really want practices to be self-sufficient. Because third parties aren't going to be around forever. That's just kind of the nature of business. So how do we teach these kind of generational practices how to keep going if there was nothing for them? So does your whole team, do they use the same process or do you allow them to use different tools or kind of? So we have a standardized method Mm -hmm. of of what the process should be. Again, it's no secret, right? It's what everybody Mm -hmm. should be doing. Check your policies, know your contracts, make sure you get paid. Do your prior mm-hmm. off, file your copay cards. 
Again, that makes that process sound easy, but there's a little more to it, (laughs) but there is a standardization and we all follow that same standard. Mm -hmm. What I really love about the team is their different teaching styles because Mm -hmm. there's different modalities of learning, right? I'm definitely a read it. I got it. I'm not an auditory learner. So each implementation person that we have kind of has their own teaching style. So we can match our practices up with the best possible person connection wise. And then they provide that same standardization of like, here's what you're going to do. Here's what we covered so that we kind of capture everybody. And I love it because I have one person on my team who's done it for 15 years. I have one person on my team who's done it for four or five, right? Mm. So there's different skill levels. And then it really shows that group approach because even my senior person still is like, I haven't heard that before. So tags Mm -hmm. in someone else. So the offices really get kind of two people with each process. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's really good. So you were saying that you go to multiple different conferences. What are some of the things that you're looking to get out of conferences? I come in with like a long list in my head of what (laughs) I'm trying to get out of it for multiple things, right? So number one is solutions. When I look at an exhibitor list, I want to be able to automatically say, I want to talk to this person or I'm interested in this. Second Mm -hmm. to that is who do I already have a relationship with? Again, it's about networking. Who can I go Mm -hmm. say hey to, or, you know, follow up with. And then obviously I'm looking at the agenda, right? What is important? What do I want to hit there? And to all the people that put on conferences, I can't stand when you overlap so many things and then have your exhibit hall open. Like I can't do three things at once. Mm -hmm. And then I recently went to a conference, they had VIP exhibit hours and I wasn't a VIP. So I couldn't go talk to my, you know, the people I wanted to talk to. That was strange. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at it from a, you know, ease of movement. You know, I need to talk to these people to build new partnerships. I need to check on these partnerships and I need to learn. And then always in the back of my head, it's what can I implement at Healthcare Advocate Summit that works? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, and then I also look at the attendee lists. If we get those ahead of time, what physicians can I talk to? Do they want to join Medico? Can I help them with buy and bill services? So there's a networking and a sales perspective there as well. I mean, that makes so much sense. You know, I feel like sometimes if you're newer to going to conferences and things like that, it's hard to kind of figure out, okay, what do I do? Where do I go? How do I navigate this whole thing? And conferences are definitely fun because, you know, for myself, I'm thinking about networking. How do I get in? Who do I talk to? But the way you just explained that, it makes so much more sense to kind of be a little bit proactive and to figure out what you're going there for, who you want to connect with, and making sure you're making it a point to connect with those people so that you can build those relationships and, you know, have more education. And conferences are fun, right? I've learned the most from people and built some of the strongest relationships just hanging out at like the hotel lobby bar. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm drinking club soda with, with a lime in it. Like I'm, I can sit there and go all night, but I build these relationships, share these stories. So they become both personal and professional. I'd love to hear your thought on this too. Like healthcare is still kind of antiquated in the embracing of Zoom and technology. Yeah, we all do it because we have to, but there is something so valuable in person-to-person connection. I mean, I would love to not live out of a suitcase, but I get more accomplished having an hour FaceTime than three Zoom follow-ups. Absolutely. I mean, that is so true. I mean, when you're doing a Zoom, unless it's like one-on-one like this, then it's difficult to be able to communicate with other people, to really have engaging conversations. It's usually the host speaking. 
and then maybe you might get one or two questions, but people don't automatically jump in and say, hey, I've got a question about this because Zoom meetings, it can last for a long time, but at the same time, you're still kind of constricted to to time and you don't have the full attention. Most of yeah. the time you're sitting at home, you've got other things going on, dogs in the background, kids, you know, there's so many different things that are coming up or your phone's ringing, then, you know, there's so many different things going on versus being in person and being able to sit and listen and have an engaging conversation and really just focus on that specific task. Well, it's the little things too. Like I love when a meeting wraps like you're in person and it's like, Oh, did you see that game on Sunday? You know, how are your kids doing? Like there's that few minutes of like personal touch in the debrief Mm -hmm. that I think just goes miles when it comes to developing partnerships and relationships. So yeah, sure. You can hop on a debrief after the zoom, but it's not the same. Yeah, it's not definitely not. I think the first time I actually got up from one of the talks at the healthcare advocate summit and, and I was like excited to go talk to the speaker, but I was nervous because I, that is not me. I usually, you know, I'm sliding out the back door <laughs> because nah, I'm like, okay, this there. is over. I'm out of here. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to push myself. Cause actually before, when I talked to Melissa, we were talking about that and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and push myself a little bit to talk to people and, you know, just to kind of do something that I haven't done before. And, and it was it. great, you know, and I love, I really did enjoy it. I, did meet a lot of really good people and got some really great connections. Some of them will be on the podcast. Awesome. <laughs> but, I love you know, them. it's just, it's really exciting to, to be able to network and to meet like-minded people that are just, you know, wanting to better the healthcare space and to make sure that our patients are able to get on medications that they really need. And, you know, that's why we're here in the first place, but it's exciting. I assume positive intent. So I just assume everyone is my friend at any event that I go to. And so I will always ask questions, but it's because I assume that we're all thinking the same thing, right? We all want the best patients. And so I just assume you're going to be my friend. And so I will come Mm -hmm. up to you and be like, Hey, I'm Elizabeth. I have a question. Let's chat. (laughs) Has that always worked out? Nope. (laughs) But it works out nine out of 10 times. And even when I have negative or constructive feedback, right? Let's try to be positive. When I have constructive feedback to give. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what led me, you know, in the path I am now is I just ran my mouth. I'm a little more filtered or I would say refined <laughs> at, this point, at this point in my career. Refined is a good word. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes I just let it fly. And sometimes yeah. that's how the best friendships and conversation happen. <laughs> No, that's good. It's so funny. I mean, you and Melissa, I think are a great team to run the summit because I feel like every time I talk to both of you, I'm like pumped up, like, yes, I can do that too. And then I'm I'm like, Uh wait a minute, (laughs) reel it in a little bit. (laughs) Listen, we're always open to help partnership. You know, I'm very thankful that Melissa came into my life when she did, because we actually met consulting for a manufacturer and her and I were outspoken together and it was like, wait a second, you do that from the hospital. I do that on my side on private practice. Like let's talk. And, you know, a a friendship absolutely has formed out of it. But as far as partnership and business goes, we complement each other. We're so different in what our strengths are and what I lack. She definitely makes up for. So, I mean, it's just incredible to find someone like that. And, you know, people are like, oh, you know, how do you, how do you guys stand each other 24 seven? We do. We're great. Like we have so much fun, but it's because we both have the same passion and we both want the same thing. Right. So there's give and take like any partnership, but I mean, at the end of the day, like 
we just enjoy it and, you know, are along for the ride together. And that's all. Yeah. Shout out to my girl, Melissa. Yes. <laughs> so Namapa, that's a great story too. That started out as a text group. Honestly, there were five of us that had this group text going and we were all working in kind of access roles at the time. And it was like, Hey, you know, if a patient needed something that I can't find this, what do you do for this? All different specialties across the board. And it's like, why doesn't that exist for you know, for everyone. And so Namapa was really created to kind of be a community resource. And we've evolved over the years. The community's still there, but it's more become education to that community. There's a patient group for everything. You can look up every disease state and find something, but I feel like my legacy or what I can give to patient advocacy is helping the healthcare worker. So let me equip that healthcare worker with all the education in the world to make them more efficient to then help their patient. Because I don't need to be the hero to the patient. That's not my goal. My goal is to make that healthcare worker the hero to do their job. So support, mental health, you know, we've met so many great organizations like Don't Clock Out. Sarah is an incredible nurse. There's so many things to provide that help to those healthcare workers that they can have that one-on-one patient relationship there. That's really neat. So NAMAPA is the National Association of Medication Access and Prior Authorization. Patient advocacy. Yep. Patient advocacy. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, that's Sorry, a lot. Like right. how did we could not figure out how to title it with like encompassing everything. So yeah. there's a lot of words. We just go by Namapa. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So we've added the National Society of Biologics Coordinators, which is non-therapeutic specific, right? It's just meant to have resources mm-hmm. provided to BC specifically and a little more tactical, right? How mm-hmm. do you track your finances for buy and bill? What is the difference between cash and accrual accounting? You know, things mm-hmm. like that. You won't get in the day-to-day in a clinic, but you as a BC would make you stronger. Right. You know, when I first started as a bio coordinator, there was nothing available. So I love that there's so much more and it's really inspiring to know that anybody new that's coming into the field, they're going to have support. They're going to have resources that are available and people to talk to, conferences to go to specifically to help educate them and empower them to, you know, be better at advocating for patients. My turn to ask a question because this is always something that I hear. Is it biologic coordinator or biologics coordinator? (laughs) I'm team plural because I handle more than one biologic. Right. I know. And that's that's funny because I think both of them work, but I am a biologic coordinator, but I am Uh the biologics coordinator. See, I I always wonder like, what is our actual title? Is it plural? Is it singular? And then if we (laughs) put biosimilars, like- what does that make us? Right. Well, now there's other specialty medications that are oral. So, you know, uh-huh. now, I mean, there's what access coordinator. I've heard that there's prior authorization specialist. I mean, there's so many different names, but you know, it's all the same. <laughs> I finally wrote in a slide deck and it says, I, Elizabeth Johnson, expect a biologics coordinator, you know, plural to know the following. And I was like, okay, I'm establishing that y'all can blame me. <laughs> This is what, what the title I think it's called. And here's what I expect them to know. And I was like, this could be a hot topic. Whew. I know. Let's do a poll on online. <laughs> Let's do it. I'll send you that slide. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. And I'm so excited to just learn from you. And I feel like I've learned a lot already, but I'm so excited for next year because the Healthcare Advocate Summit will be in Vegas. Las Vegas, here we come at Caesars Palace. Yep. Yes. My husband came with me to New Orleans and he was like saying bye to people <laughs> that he met. He made friends. That's <laughs> great. Like, I'll see you guys next year. 
So that's, he's ready awesome. to go. <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, any call to action or, you know, anything that comes out of, you know, doing something like this with you or even the Healthcare Advocate Summit is my goal is to be everyone's phone a friend, right? If you need yeah. something, if you have questions, I'm here because I've probably learned it the hard way. So don't learn it the hard way. Ask ask someone. And so, right. you know, Janelle, one of the things I really appreciate about you is if I don't know something, it's a text or a phone call and you're always willing to hop on and chat. And so um, if we can keep perpetuating that and, you know, showing that to the rest of our medical community, I can't wait to see where everything goes. Yeah, I'm excited. For sure. Me too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It was good talking to you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me and listening to That's Derm Good. You can expect new episodes of That's Derm Good every other week. The podcast is available on your favorite app, including where you're listening right now. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a new episode. Bye. Bye.